Hello and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are here to reveal God in ways that help everyday people like you. Whether you're a Christian or not, we believe God is not far from any one of us and that he wants to be found. You don't have to look a certain way or have it together to become one of us. We don't have it all together either, but we do have hope in the one who does. Jesus loved everyone, no matter who they were or what they had done, and we want to be just like that. If you'd like to connect with us, stay after the message, and I'll tell you how. You know, throughout history, humans have accomplished some pretty amazing things. Just in modern times, the Wright brothers flew the first motorized airplane. Amelia Earhart flew solo across the Atlantic. Roger Bannister ran the mile in under four minutes. Maybe some of you saw this on TV. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, Neil Armstrong becomes the first man to walk on the moon. And another thing I saw on TV, Hank Aaron hits number 715 for the Atlanta Braves. Something happened in 1953 that's pretty amazing. Uh, Edmund Hillary, along with his Sherpa Sherpa guide, Tenzing Norgay, became the first to climb Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. In 2010... Another amazing thing happened, and I definitely saw this on TV, and you probably did too, because I understand that a billion people watched this. One billion people watched this when it happened. And that was when the first miner from that Chilean mine was rescued. Did did any of you see that? They were underground, some 2,500 feet underground for 69 days, 69 days. And so just the fact that they survived is an amazing achievement. And all the engineering that went into getting them out of that hole in the ground was another amazing human accomplishment. Now, We don't normally think of what Jesus did as an act of human achievement, but we should. And here's why. The passage that Bonnie quoted earlier, though Jesus was God, he did not think equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He laid them aside And he took on the form of a slave. And he was born a human being. And he appeared in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient unto God, even death on a cross. And then Matthew 26, 53. To complement that passage, Jesus is there in the garden. And Peter's raising a sword against those who are coming to take Jesus. And Jesus responds, don't you guys understand that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us right now, and he would send them instantly. So you see, Jesus laid aside his divine power, his divine privileges. 
He chose not to use those while he was here on earth. You know, we don't say that Jesus was half man and half God. We don't, we don't say that he was 50% one and 50% the other. We say that he was fully man and fully God. And as being God, he laid that down and was fully man while here on earth. And he didn't live as a kind of superman, in other words. That's not the life he lived. He lived as a humble man, dependent on the Holy Spirit, just like us. That's how he lived. So it's right and, and even necessary, I think, to consider what Jesus did through the lens of human achievement. Okay, it's, it's really important to understand that. That as a man, just like us, that is humans, he did what he did. Now, in regard to human achievement, Jesus went where no man has ever gone before or since. There, there's not even a close second, okay? There's no higher mountain to climb than the one that gets you to God, right? And there's no lower cave to descend than into the hell that keeps us from God. And this is what Jesus did. That's the mountain he climbed. That's the hell he descended into and overcame. And he did it as a man. You know, what he endured physically was beyond comprehension. He died a horrible, brutal, violent death at the hands of ruthless Roman soldiers. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spat upon. And he was nailed to a cross. But you know, the physical death that he died, though an incredible achievement that was, enduring that whole experience, especially when considered the, the manner in which he died, one Roman soldier looking at him after he died, saying, surely this man was the son of God. That death, though, was not unique. Others had met similar fates, at least in its physical nature. It wasn't unique, right? Many others died at the hands of Roman soldiers being hung on a cross. There's actually something else that sets Jesus' death apart. You know, when we talk about human achievement, what we tend to highlight is the physical achievement, the physical accomplish, accomplishment. We don't really emphasize so much the other side of the equation, and that is the mental side. And really, that's far more significant than the physical side because if you can't persevere mentally, then you're probably not going to persevere physically. You know, you can observe the physical, and that's what we do in the Gospels. We observe the physical. We observe the acts of Jesus and what he did. But you can't really know 
what that person, what that achiever is thinking unless they tell you, right? You can't know what's going on inside of them, what's happening mentally, unless, unless they let you in on it. Like, we don't know what Edmund Hillary was thinking as he scaled Mount Everest. Now, maybe he's written about it somewhere in the book, and that way we would know. But, you know, what was the nature of his mental battle? Did he ever think of turning back, of quitting? Was there a moment when he almost gave up? Well, what about Jesus? What was he thinking? What was he thinking? What was happening mentally on the inside? You know, the Gospels give us a taste through seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, but they don't elaborate. It's like you get the headline, and that's it. One of those headlines, one of those sayings that we've already heard tonight, Matthew 27, 46, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemasabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now, this is just before Jesus dies. The land had been filled with darkness since noon. So, so Jesus was nailed to a cross at nine in the morning. Darkness came over the entire land at noon. And at 3 p.m., Jesus died. At that point, it was still dark. Jesus, in that moment, perceives that God, his heavenly Father, has abandoned him. And he's right to think this way. It, it, that's because the, the nature of his death was that he was being cursed by God in that moment. He was dying a sinner's death, and he was being cursed by God. In essence, God was turning his face away from him, signified by the darkness over the land and he was dying a real eternal death in that moment. I mean, we say that Jesus died for us. Well, guess what? That means he died an eternal death. And he was abandoned by God because eternal death includes being abandoned by God. But is this it? Like, is, is that all there is? Jesus is just disillusioned in this moment. And he's like, God, why, why, are you, why are you abandoning me? What, is that it? Or is there more to the story? Well, I want to turn your attention to Psalm 22. And there, now this is Old Testament, right? There we see the same words that Jesus cries out on the cross... In verse 1, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Okay, but here in Psalm 22, by the Holy Spirit through, through David, King David, words are written down that I believe reflect the inner thoughts of Jesus after he cries out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I mean, what did he go on and, and think? Psalm 22 tells us, he says, why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And then he says this, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted you. 
and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. And then Jesus says this, but I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him if the Lord loves him so much. Let the Lord rescue him. And then Jesus thinks this, Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. And then he prays this. Do not stray so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs and evil and an evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Oh Lord, do not stay Far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. And then Jesus says this finally Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. Do you see? Do you see the interplay that's taking place in this psalm? Do you see what's happening? What's going on? This is the struggle for faith. And when I say the struggle for faith, I mean the faith. This is, this is the struggle for it right here. This is where it's happening. Hebrews says that Jesus was the author and finisher of our faith. And this is the furnace where our faith is being forged, okay? Like, like Jesus is paving the way. He is inventing, if you will, faith. Like he's showing us what it is and he's creating this, this faith that we will enjoy later. There's this back and forth. You know, Jesus has been demoralized. His dignity stripped completely away. He's been humiliated in front of the world. He's entered a place of despair where even his own father has abandoned him. He's being bombarded with the fiery darts of doubt. But in the midst of it all, Jesus takes up the shield of faith and by himself, with no help or no support, Jesus says, I will nonetheless trust in you. I will not let go. I will trust that my Father 
is not ultimately going to abandon me to the grave that I'm about to enter. He will raise me up. He will raise me up. You see, it, it was dark when Jesus died, when he breathed his last. But when Jesus died in the midst of all that darkness, in the midst of all that abandonment, and don't forget, his friends abandoned him too, right? He was all alone. In the midst of all of that, he died in faith. He died trusting that God was going to raise him up. <laughs> Against all odds, he wouldn't let go of his faith. He had no support. There was, there was no support. His heavenly father was not even on his side in that moment. He was against him. You want to talk about an achievement? Think about it for a moment. You put your faith in God and things start going wrong, how long does it take you to go from a place of trusting God to a place of not trusting God, right? Not very long at all. And if you make it through that first wave, a lot of times, you know, after wave two, two or wave three or wave four, you're done. It's like this, this whole following Jesus thing is for the birds, Jesus died in faith. Now, why did he do this? Like, what was, what was he doing this for? Uh, another guy who attempted to climb Mount Everest in the 20s, so about 30 years before Edmund Hillary, <clears throat> George Mallory was his name. I don't think he made it. But anyway, they had asked him before he, he attempted the climb why he was doing it. And he said, because it's there. So, in other words, he, he didn't really have a good reason. It's just something to do. It's a challenge and I'm going to take it up. When Jesus did what he did, he did it for you. He did it for you. Now, <clears throat> don't miss the obvious point, okay? This whole thing is about faith. When Jesus died, he, he, he proved something for the rest of us, okay? He proved that when sinners cry out to God for God to rescue them, then God comes through and he does just that. Jesus proved that. You see, when Jesus died, he died as a sinner, right? He died in our stead. He took on our sin when he died. In fact, it could be said that Jesus was the worst sinner ever because he took upon himself the sins of the world. We, we tend to gloss over that, don't we, that I mean, but think about it for a minute. What is contained in that word sin? How many and how bad 
right? Jesus took that upon himself. So as he cries out to God, as he puts his faith in God, he's doing so as a sinner. But Jesus says this, I know my God, and I know that if a sinner cries out to him, cries out for rescue, he will answer that prayer. Now, Jesus proved that. So, for you and I, sinners, right? Crying out to God, asking God to save us, asking God to help us, wondering if he is apt to do just that, doubting ourselves, doubting him. The message is loud and clear. If you put your trust in God, if you, if you put your hope in God, and if you hold on with everything you have, he will rescue you. When you're facing that insurmountable mountain, when you're, when you're looking and staring into that valley of death, and you're wondering how in the world you're going to get through it, how you're going to make it, and maybe much of what you're facing is of your own doing, because that's what we sinners do. We mess things up. We mess our lives up. And we think, okay, I've, I've done it now. I've blown it. What do I do now? I can't go to God. Oh, you're in the best position ever to come to God. And if you cry out to him, if you ask him to save you, and if you put your faith in him and you trust him to do just that, he will. He will come through for you. And just like Jesus, he will not abandon you to the grave. You see, Jesus, Jesus has done it. He did it. He went where no man has ever gone. No human has ever gone. He climbed the mountain. To God, now you and I can put our trust in him and achieve the same thing. Have you ever, uh, you know, something else that this, this basically says to us is that because Jesus has gone to the extremes that he's gone to, there is no situation that you can experience um, and, and, and be abandoned in that and be left alone. Whatever you go through, you can expect that Jesus has already gone before you. He's already been there, right? I, I like to hunt, or I used to. I uh, can't seem to find the time much nowadays, but, uh, you, you know, and you, you're in the woods and you're, you're walking, and I don't know if any other hunters are here like me, but I'll step on a spot, some remote spot in, out in, you know, the deep wooded forest, and I'll think in that moment, I wonder if anybody has ever stood where I'm standing right now. Does anybody ever do that? Okay. 
Speaking of feeling alone, like, you got me, Matt, okay. Like, has anybody ever stood here in this spot? I don't know why I want to feel that I'm the only one, right, that I've maybe somehow done something no one else has ever done. But, you know, spiritually speaking, there, there is not a step you can take that Jesus hasn't already taken. How about the next, the next um, chapter, Psalm 23? So this is where the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Later on in that chapter, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Oh, what a Savior tonight. Oh, what a Savior. What Jesus did for us in dying for us is incredibly relevant and absolutely essential to us ultimately finding our way to God. Without him, we would never experience eternal life. So we're so thankful tonight. We're going to continue this service now and sing a couple more songs. We're going to have communion. So why don't you continue to worship as, as we do that? Let's, let's say a prayer. Father, um, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all that you are and all that you've done for us in giving us your son. And we thank you for the incredible gift that we've received in Jesus especially in relation to this faith that he's given us, this faith that he forged and this faith that he's given us that's alive in us right now that causes us to reach out to you in our time of need. Father, continue to open our eyes to behold what Jesus has done for us. So, so that we might enter deeper and deeper into an experience of knowing you. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you all. Uh, go with God. We'll see you on Sunday. Have a great night. Hey, thanks for listening to today's message. I hope you were encouraged, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend one of our services here at Cross Point. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 11,000 West Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Dallas. Our people are warm and welcoming, and we're all learning what it means to follow Jesus together. You can learn more about us at crosspointwestdallas.com, where you'll find more episodes of our podcast, and you can watch services on our YouTube channel. We live stream every Sunday morning at 10. Until next time, I'm Pastor Dave, and I wish you a blessed day, and I hope to be able to meet you soon.